evening, guys. Thanks for coming out again. This is Bethel Radio Hour. Um, tonight, as always, we have three topics. Our first topic is, I think, going to be a smidge on the controversial side amongst <laughs> us, for sure. Um, but it's on prepping to prep it's or not church. to prep. It's a redneck church. <laughs> well, you it see, is. this is already different points talk. of view because I thought this was going to be the least contentious. So you see. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is uh, prepping versus, quote, unquote, faith from the Bible. And, and basically what I wanted to discuss is, is it oppositional to what the Bible tells us to do? Okay? And so we're going to do this PTI, uh, pardon the interruption, so each person gets two minutes, and then we get a one-minute rebuttal. Uh, who wants to go first? I'm curious what. <laughs> you want me to go first? Who wants Tom to go first? I'll go first. All right, go I'll first. I'll just read my thing. I'm going to read it verbatim. There you go. Go. God does the planning. We do the preparing. Okay. We have to prep because we don't know when he will come back. So prepper versus faith. Our faith life is, in essence, us prepping for the challenges of this world and the afterlife. The wages of sin is death, and it's not unlike packing a bag to go into the wilderness with survival gear to keep us from dying prematurely because we're all going to die. So the Bible automatically gives us the armor of God. This is a prepping tool for our spiritual life. The Bible tells us to prep in 1 Timothy 5.8, but if, if any provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. God will and always provides for our needs, but it is our job to exercise our gifts and abilities that we have been blessed with to see his provision come to full fruition. So we can't just sit on our laurels, basically. We prep every day. We hold a job for money to grocery shop, to pay the electric bill, to keep warm for the winter. That's prepping. Second Thessalonians 3, 9 through 11. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, that un if any of you would not work, neither he should eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you who are disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Ecclesiastes 11:2. Divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. So that scripture right there alone is, I think, one of the largest arguments for prepping. Prepping goes back to the very beginning of time. Joseph stored up grain uh, for the famine in Egypt. Noah didn't wait till it started raining. Two for two, man. Yeah. My list. Yeah, Noah didn't wait till it started raining to build the ark. In Matthew 25, 1 through 13, the ten virgins that went to meet the bridegroom, five of them prepared, five of them didn't. Five were not allowed to enter. So they were preppers. Proverbs 27, 12. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Proverbs 21, 20. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. 15 seconds over. I will relent. <laughs> All right. Very good. So we'll, we'll rebut, but let's go ahead and who, who's going next, Tara? Well, I was under the assumption when we're talking about prepping, we're talking about... You're, I pictured extreme preppers on TV sure. where you're stocking up sure. the ammo, you're stocking right. up, you got a storehouse of dry goods and rations. Tom just laid the foundation for okay. that. Okay, that's what I thought we were talking about. I was just <laughs> clarifying. Yep. Um, so I'm on the faith wagon and not the prepping wagon. Okay. And I have said before, jokingly, but not jokingly, like, why would you want to prep for something to live 30 days longer than everybody else? Like, are you sure you want to survive this? 
Um, but prepping for me falls under the category of fear. And we talked last week about take every thought captive. And the Lord really, and maybe someday I'll have to write a book about this, in 2019 took me to task over my stronghold of fear. Um, therefore, when I think about prepping, like, oh gosh, what if this happens and I'd better be prepared for XYZ catastrophe, I ask myself these questions, and I read this in a book, which I would recommend to anyone, but the first question I ask, is this thought about something I know to be true right now, or am I trying to tell the future? Is this fearful thought based on something that is true, or is it based on something that something I am imagining could come true? What do I know to be true right now? So for me, this turns into the what if monster. Well, I better, you know, what if there's not water anymore? What if we've lost our What if we do run out of ammo and we can't shoot any animals and there's no food in or the marketplace anywhere? Or what if, I mean, you can what if yourself to death. You can what if yourself to the point where, what if I sneeze and drive off this bridge and I'd crash and die and kill my children? Like you can what if yourself to a point where you are almost paralyzed to fear. So for me, and this is just me personally, I can't get on board with stockpiling every possible thing and mentally exhausting myself financially uh, with my mental and emotional energy and my time to prepare for something that maybe is never going to happen. Now, I'm on board with, like Tom said, we prep every day. We prepare ourselves for work. We save money for the future. We might save you know, it's, that is a good and a rational thing. But I think there's an extreme here that becomes unhealthy and fearful, fear-based. And I've heard, and I, I believe this, that you regret every fear-based decision that you make. Mm. Very good. <clears throat> All right, Gavin. Any decision made out of fear, I think, is, is going to be, 90% it's going to be wrong. And I, I'm going to take uh, probably a position between where Tom and Tara are. Which is it, where if, you are. It actually Perfect. physically located between both of you. <laughs> we planned and, it that way. And that's really all I had to say. <laughs> well said. <laughs> so I, I think about the times, one, one particular disaster came in mind. If you remember when Hurricane Katrina hit Louisiana and hit uh, New Orleans Square, and we found out terrifyingly that they had prepared nothing for that mm -hmm. event that happened. But as it turns out, Texas did. And Texas sent out the arm of rescue to the people of New Orleans to come and, hey, we've got the equipment. It didn't hit us. We're, we're ready for you. Um, so, so that kind of prepping, I think, is wise because you know it can happen. Um, and if you're, I also have the 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 advantage of age here. If you can, if you if you're nervous or anxious about something because it's happened to you in the past, and you do nothing to prepare prepare for it in the future to to uh, make sure that you're not in the same crisis you were before, I think that's foolish. You shouldn't let fear drive you, though. I, I and I'm with you, Tara, because I'll. I will overthink things to the point of obsession and personal failure. So I think there's some wisdom in preparing for things you know that can happen. Um, and if, they, if they're on the extreme, you might want to evaluate that. If you can do something to alleviate your fear, 
a, a legitimate fear. You should. You should should negate that fear with some preparation. Um, otherwise, I think you need to have some faith and and ex- expect that God will provide it. And in some cases, God actually asks you to prep in, in advance. And uh, the only one that I had that Tom didn't mention, he mentioned Noah and Joseph, uh, was the Last Supper. Whoever it was that prepared the upper room, they did it in faith. They had a, a donkey that was tied up apparently, um, ready for the Lord to take. So that person had to have prepared in faith that there was going to be a need for that. Apparently that nobody had booked the room or had, had claimed the room, but the Last Supper was prepared, or the room was reserved for someone and prepared for, reserved by someone and prepared by someone for the Lord. So I'm way over time. You're good. I used my 20 seconds of plus. That's All right. right. So, uh, very good stuff so far. So, and I don't know, you'll have to decide where I'm at uh, once you hear what I'm going to say here. Uh, I'm not against preparing for the or a worst case scenario. The Bible says in Proverbs, a prudent man seeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and suffer for it. So, we certainly have biblical backing to be watchful, preparatory, if that's a word, and diligent. But ultimately, God didn't call us to preservation, but to sanctification. And part of that sanctification is reaching our world for himself. And so, you know, I I think we could argue that we're all right. What everybody's saying here is accurate. Uh, Because I do agree that the severe prepping can become a sidetrack. The severe prepping can become a crutch that you may not ever need. And it could, as you said, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially exhaust you so that you can't really operate in the here and now type thing. And so uh, he would rather us lose our lives in a perilous world while trying to reach the lost than we save ourselves in this temporary world and isolate ourselves from those that we are to be winning. And that's kind of the way, you know, Terry expressed it. You know, you make all this preservation to last 30 days, you know, uh, in a horrible world. Uh, salvation is the best prepper approach because you don't have to do all the prepping. It's done for you in heaven. And that's the ultimate prepper. I mean, anybody that's Amen. saved, you have ultimately prepared. And you've got a... Then I'm good. That's all I yeah, got. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're good. So uh, I would have been the first gone in this hunger game. You'll just get to skip the line. They'll say, no, she's, she knows what to do. Yeah, I, now, am I saying we can't or shouldn't stockpile food, water, and survivalist supplies? Absolutely not. I, I think we... You need to do what you feel led to do, and I believe we should, I think, that it's the key is the motive and intentions. So let's hypo-theorize that you have a getaway, and you've built a compound, and you're inviting friends and relatives to the compound if the worst happens. And you invite me, because let's face it, who wouldn't, right? That's a joke. So this would be my How response. How much ammo are you bringing? Yeah, yeah, heard, exactly. This would be my response if you're inviting me to your compound. Is the whole church invited? And of course, that would not be practical. So here's the point. A national catastrophe does not negate my call. Only God can do that. So as long as there are folks to pastor and I'm called to be that pastor of Bethel, this is where I have to be. And each person has to make their decision where God wants them to carry out the Great Commission. If he gives you peace to to reseed into a compound, then by all means do it. And I'm going to get to that here in just a second. Um, I do think there's a pretty good argument for families with young children taking a more I'm protecting me and mine approach. But again, motives and intentions must bow to the Spirit and Word of God. So in closing, I think every family should try to have six weeks to three months provision in their house, a bug-out bag for each family member, 
first aid kits and a list of big ticket items such as a generator, et cetera, to acquire in the event of a period of time or famine or job loss, and a thought out plan to provide their food source if and when supplies are no longer available in a defense plan. Th that's just my, and, and I don't have all that yet. I, I am currently, you know, preparing to that way. But I'm trying to keep from being the guy that, you know, is going to have a fort, you know, and such, and, and I'm going to have, you know, <laughs> places to put my gun to shoot the people that are coming to get my stuff. Protected by turkeys. Right. That's exactly <laughs> right. So, uh, one-minute rebuttals. Uh, I'll just start. Yeah I, yeah, I think Tara nailed it. Anything can become to a sinful level. Sure. Um, one thing is I've, I've questioned when we see Christians take stands and try to fight things. I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, isn't this all just predestined anyways to happen? So why are we trying to yeah, fight this something? This planet is going to end. Yes. So I do think the Bible does say we have something to prepare for. Now, I'm not going to buy a truckload of fire extinguishers because it says it's going to be consumed in fire. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it does say brother against son and neighbor against neighbor. So the Bible's telling us bad things are going to happen. It doesn't say when it's going to happen. The son nor the angels, only the father knows. Mm -hmm. So you have to prepare for an instance that you don't know. That's the essence of it. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. And I, I think that's calling us to just have our eyes on there. And um, I, I think that's it. Tara? Well, I'm going to go straight to Jesus speaking to his disciples for my closing statement here. This is Luke chapter 12, verse 22, and this is Jesus. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add even a single hour to the span of life? If then you do, are not able to do such a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass that is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, and do not seek what you are going to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Food and fashion, food and clothes, like food, this is what we're like, what will we wear? What will we eat? Jesus was saying, I already got it. Right. Don't worry about it. I got it. Amen. Drop the mic, right? Yeah, literally. E e amen. <laughs> and, Let's go get and, it. Uh, again, I'm between Tom and Tara. Perfect. Uh, sitting like, right between. Why we put you there? Yeah. So. Anything driven by devil? I mean, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say anything. About that. <laughs> because I'm, Tom I'm, I'm between time and Tara. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just. You get 20 seconds back. You That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Go for it. Uh, so, it, anything not driven by love, power, and sound mind, I think, is a good negator with yeah. that. Jesus, of course, provides everything. And if you're fretting about any of that stuff, there's no need to. It's it's. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's a matter of priority and direction. And if God moves you to prepare something for, for a specific purpose, 
you, you would be sinning not to prepare right. for that. Like Noah. Uh, right, right. Like Noah. Um, but Noah David? was told to prepare. So <clears throat> was Joseph with the grain. Like God right. said, hey, get prepared. This is coming. So, right. yep. you know. And, and, and that's what he's saying, though. If, if God speaks to you to prepare, you need to prepare. It, it, amen. And the same with, with David. David wanted to build a, a temple for the Lord, and God wouldn't allow him. But David set aside the, the, store, the stuff for uh, the building of the temple. And that was God, God's will. So it can be a, if it's a joy to prepare for something for that you feel impressed by the Lord that's that's going to be needed it should be filled with joy that prepping should be should be filled with joy whether it's saving money for a particular thing that you want to participate in the Lord's kingdom whether it's putting aside money for a, a ministry of some kind that you want to participate in or or help finance or help support financially I think think uh, that kind of prepper, or if you want to be the person, if ev- everything you know the um, everything goes down electro- electrically, you could still have food to give your neighbors. You could still have water to give your neighbors. You could still have uh, the means to grow a garden if, uh, heaven forbid, everything went down for a couple of months. Um, so, so I, I, I'm saying yes. If it's yeah. it would be a joy to rescue somebody right. with the things that you've prepared. Um, the miners in Ecuador came to mind for, for some reason. The 39 guys that were stuck a mile down under the ground, nobody, well, n- no normal person, maybe the mining industry did, knew that there was a drill that could get that far down, create a shaft to get people out of a, a trapped, an entrapped uh, area of the mine that's collapsed. But thank God they did. Somebody had thought through that and provi- provided for it, prepped for it, that situation. So... There, there's some balance here, I think. I oh, think yeah. balance is the thing to strike. And if I could, like two seconds. I eliminate my fear of the what-ifs by preparing. Right. Because if the grid went down and gas stations and stores were closed, well, I have food for my family. So I've eliminated that fear, and now we can focus on what we need to. So you know, I think fear in each person's own mind is... And see, I have to take the faith stand because I have no survival skills. So I don't really have a plan B. You're, you're not going to make it 30 days past it. Is I would be the first gone on Hunger Games. I've been saying it for years. And I've even told my husband, if anything happens, take the kids, leave me behind. I'll just drag us down. And you literally can't exhaust yourself trying to prepare. For, prepare yes. For. Who would have thought toilet paper would have been the thing that you needed to prep for? Only people I know were the Watsons that had a, a surplus of toilet paper. You just paper. called about, though. I was going to say some names, but not over the radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, let, let, let's let's draw it all together because, again, I think everybody's right yeah. from the standpoint of it's got to be faith. Amen. If it's fear, it's wrong. And, and so uh, now faith can't become uh, neglect, you know. Uh, again, the, the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit is king. And so uh, if, if he is leading you to prepare, by all means, prepare. But you've got to ask yourself, is it the Holy Spirit or is it CNN that I watched last night? Or is it Fox right. that I watched last night? Or my neighbor that he's got so much more ammo than I have, you know, I'm never going to last, you know, or whatever. So the, that fear is going to drive you to yeah. exhaustion. I think that's a good word. Uh, so anyway, uh, I thought I thought that would be a lively debate, and it was good stuff. I did barter seventeen bottles of hand sanitizer for a large pack of toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. And we might get to a barter system, so yeah. that's yeah, also there's something no doubt. to think about. There's no <laughs> doubt. Well, so and let me say this: that I believe that the indicators are are there 
that the United States of America, at the very least, is possibly going to go through at least a recession, if not a depression. And so you need to be thinking about your food source. You need to be thinking about those things because if we prepare well enough through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we will be a station to help other people that have not prepared for whatever reason. You never look more like Jesus than when you're rescuing people. That's right. Topic two. All right, topic two is, um, boy, this one's good. And it, ironically, Ben sent this topic, and my husband and I had already been debating this for a few days already, um, and to no resolve. So I'm sad he has to work tonight and can't hear this. But um, topic two is, what do we owe our leaders? Um, so this is an in-depth look at Romans 13, 1 through 7. If you have your Bibles or on your phone, turn to that, Romans 13, 1 through 7. Uh, because it, it's good stuff. So uh, we'll read the passage. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, how, whoever rebels against authorities, rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. All right, and so I just even though it's kind of like looking into the lion's mouth, uh, talking to a bunch of conservatives about quote unquote supporting a Democratic president, um, there was a day that that was not the case. You know, I can remember uh, as a young lad that it, I can't say that it didn't matter as much as it didn't matter like it does today, whoever took office. You know, because the the, the agreement was that that's what America is about, a peaceful transition of power. And everyone that got in that position ultimately cared about the uh, going forward of America. They cared about all Americans, not just their base, so on and so forth. And, and that's a, a, you know, an aspersion that can be pointed at both directions. So I'm not trying to say any side owns that situation. Uh, so that there... There's the, I, I teed it up for you. So, I, I cringed when I saw this. <laughs> it's too, too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Is it too soon? See, man, we're, this is perfect panel because I was hurt? excited. I was excited too. Yeah, so I love it. I'd already been talking about it for days. So, so. maybe I should let you guys talk about <laughs> out of this one. Uh, but <clears throat> I can just summarize. The presidency of the United States should be respected. The office... Yes. Uh, it should be respected, and it should be given its due honor. Whether you agree with the person in that office or not, that person's going to change at least every eight years. So the office ought to be respected, and so should the laws of the land. That, that's a clear mandate from the Scripture. Um, we're here as, you know, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. We should help uh, people regardless of who's in the office of the presidency, and we should respect the office of the presidency regardless of what we feel about the person that's there at the time. Um, 
So, and the person that's there can do a great deal of harm to the office and the reputation of the office. That's no, no doubt of that. Um, but yet we should still honor the prescribed form of government that we have when we have a president that leads the nation, um, regardless of how we feel about things. So well, that's all I'm going to say about that. Th- there you go. Uh, the bottom line is God has ordained that Joe Biden is our president. As difficult as that might be for any conservative to say, biblically, that, that is the absolute reality. I've been saying for years, sometimes you don't get the president you need, you get the president you deserve. So that's not a backward slap to Joe Biden. I'm just saying we all know his positions. We know where he stands, what we would feel like diametrically opposed to what we believe is good for the nation, so on and so forth. And I don't think it's wrong or unfair for us to voice that. What would be wrong and unfair is to, as a result, not honor the office and not respect the person uh, until he or she proves that they cannot be. Um, And I think the scripture is very clear that we uh, follow them until they prove biblically that we cannot. Salvation or damnation. Right, that's right. Someone else. So I ironically had done a Bible study in First Peter whenever Obama took office for the first time, and it was hard because I was so against the platform of supporting abortion, supporting same-sex marriage, like pretty much everything that he was really sounding off on I didn't personally agree with. And um, anyway, and in the middle of that, I come across First Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it is the emperor as supreme or as governors um, sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So in other words, by doing good, you put to silence false charges. So, you know, this is my husband and I debating about so what are you going to do? You're upset about who the president is and how things went down this year with the election, and a lot of people are upset. I'd wager 55% of America is upset about it, but regardless, it is what it is. So what are you going to do? Say, oh, I'm not going to pay taxes anymore to take me to prison. What are you going to do? Charge the Capitol? And I know that makes your Christianity look bad. I mean, you have to, you have to do what's right. And until they ask you to do something, that is opposed to what we have learned scripturally and spiritually, then this is the road we're on. We can't pack up and leave. Um, There's nowhere else to go. This is where God has put us, so this is what we're dealing with. And I was just kind of in researching this, like if you you look back, there are times when people went against the government, like when the midwives in, um, it was in, Exodus, whenever Pharaoh had wanted the midwives to d- kill all the right. Hebrew children, right. and the midwives just flat out lied and said, oh, the, the women have the baby so fast, we can't execute the children, I'm sorry, and God honored that. Um, and there's other instances um, where very specifically people went against what the government said because it went against what God said, and God honored Esther was not, it was a law not to go before the king, and she went before the king to save her people, and God honored that. There's instances that I think um, would be clear. As a nurse, I've thought often, if I'm ever said I have to perform an abortion, I have to assist with that procedure. I'm not going to do it. I suppose God will take care of me in whatever fallout there is, but I'm not going to do that. Same as the sparrows. He he will provide for you. Right. Right. Well, uh, Larry says we should work with our president, but he should work for the people, and he should listen to what all the citizens want, not just one side or the other, and, and amen to that. Yeah. 
Uh, one of the things that, that I think is so important for us to do, we've got to win our own first. Amen. We, we've got to make sure that everybody that calls this place their place of worship, that they understand what, number one, the Bible's all about, and then they understand what America is all about. Uh, and there's a whole lot more there connected than what most people understand, I, know, or want to admit. I totally agree with that. I think it's we're closer together than we think we are. Right. Or that the media wants us to think. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Not sure which. But. So I'll just say this, possibly coming to a church near you, uh, Hillsdale College offers an excellent uh, class on understanding the foundings of America, the Constitution of America, and, and it's free. It's free. And, and this is, I've noticed because I get their emails, this is something they are, it, they're basically calling it their life's calling because they see how badly we don't know who we are as Americans. We don't know our foundings anymore. We don't understand why it's important to stand this, that, or the other. And so they're, they're starting at the base. They're teaching the Constitution. They're teaching the foundings of America. And, and I don't think Hillsdale College is a Christian college, but they do not shy away from the fact that Christianity in America is tied right. together inextricably. Well, uh, you, you already hit one thing on the taxes, you know. I, I mean, I'm sorry, do you storm the Capitol if you disagree and all that? And so this is where, like what I had sent you the text of, this is where what battlefields are we willing to die on? You know, we can't assume what he's going to do. We know his policies. But um, I, this was the approach I wanted to go with, and I was going to read it again. Um, for Because he's already had done three executive orders. You know, he's changed the Keystone Pipeline. He's cut funding, emergency funding for the border wall. And now in federal buildings, you have to wear a mask. Right. He could come up with a nationwide mask mandate, you know. And so it was kind of pertinent. So this is what I wanted to put. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. That is, everyone believers and non-believers. For there is no authority except which God has established. Like you said, Biden's president because God allowed it. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. So if it's not a matter of salvation or damnation, we are to do what they ask us to do, even if we don't like it. And those who do so will bring... And those who do not do so will bring judgment upon themselves. So if you storm the Capitol, you might get shot. You might get federal charges. If you speed, you might get speeding tickets. I don't agree with the 20 mile per hour in Parkway Village, but I, <laughs> I do it. So for rulers, hold no terror for those who do right. Is it that hard to limit yourself to two things of toilet paper? Just do it. And if you want to be loud and get a whole case full, well, the cops are probably going to get called. And it's not a matter of salvation or damnation. Do you want to be free from fear from one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. So if we just do the little things, we will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. And I, this one hit me hard because we say what it, man meant for evil, God meant for good. We might not like it, but we don't see the other side of the mirror. God knows what's next. But if you do wrong, be afraid of the rulers. Do not bear the sword for no reason. Like I said, if you do the wrong thing, you're going to get punished. And that ain't God punishing you. That's you punishing yourself for not doing what your rulers ask you to do. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, only it's because possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. So at the end of the day, that's why I do a lot of the things I do, because it's a matter of conscience. Right. I might not like it, but I do it because I can go to my family and say, look, we're doing the right thing even if we disagree. So Dale has corrected me. Hilldale is, Hillsdale is a Christian college. Good news. Larry DeCon says media 
wants us to be divided into smaller groups. The only way to fight that is for everyone to stand together as one people. Yeah, Amen where you that. divide, you conquer. Yeah. I right. mean, it's like, it's it's nothing new. Right. And, and I, I agree. I agree with everything that's been said. Um, I, well, one caveat, it's, it's kind of interesting to me because uh, I had been hearing about the national mandate and such. Uh, when I read it today, uh, the, the, the national mandate is to the federal lands, Correct. federal buildings, because if I read this right, he has he has submitted to the state leaders because that's how our constitution works. Right. You know, we, we're fifty states, uh, and, and so I don't know if he has quote unquote authority beyond that. If, right. If enough governors don't, get, if he can come around and say, okay, so since you guys didn't do it, I'm I don't know. I, right. I truly don't know. And but, that's the simplest and non-salvation thing. Sure. You know, and that's why it was pertinent, why right. I brought it, because it's like, are we going to fight it? Right. You know, he could ban AR-15s just like Bill Clinton did. Right. Are we going to 3D illegally print guns because we just want them? You is, know, it's is that like, possible? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, they're, I'm missing. They're called ghost guns. There There's people go. going to prison right now for them. Oh. So it's like the little things that aren't matter of salvation. Us as Christians. Oh, is that right? Do we know where we can get those? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Text me. <laughs> Click on the link. Bethany Text Baptist. Link at the bottom of the page. Ghost yeah, guns. Yeah, it was a joke. Yeah, <laughs> a joke. A joke. So, yeah. Very good. Uh, I, where are we at on time? We, we actually got done with that pretty quick. Yeah, that was a lot Because <laughs> poor Gavin, thought. he's not going to say I've no I've been biting my tongue the whole time here. Proud Go ahead, Gavin. You. Let it, you can let it loose. It's all right. It's a safe <laughs> no, We could edit no, this no. portion of the program. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the, yeah, that's the uh, remedial session. <laughs> that's the deep cuts. The well, after-hour subscriptions you can right. listen to Dr. Right. Hooks. My only other point, since Gavin um, is holding his tongue, uh, super disappointed, uh, is that in this, in First Peter, when it's talking about submitting to authority um, as to your government, um, it's also in the same book of the Bible where they're talking about to women, you know, you'll win your husband with your um, kind and gentle spirit. Right. You know, not, not your anger, right. not your wrath, not your nagging, right. but your kind and gentle spirit. And so I think of this kind of parallel. Like, right. you know, you're not going to win right. anybody by being just rebellious and always going against things and just, you know, like, ah, forget that. I'm going to, I'm going to show the man, I'll, you know, I'll show you that doesn't win anybody to the kingdom of God, which is ultimately why we're, why we're here. Is it not? I mean, am I wrong? No. All right. So, um, I mean, that was just my thought. And if, if anything can be done in this, I feel like the more we, there's things you should stand up for. Do not get me wrong. And right. we should continue to and do some that. Some of those are on the table. And and I've I've said it, you know, if we can ever get someone with civil or moral authority to say it's time. But I'm not willing to storm the Capitol on my own. I, I don't feel called to that. I don't feel like I have biblical grounds for that, so on and so forth. Um, and so amen to that. So, yeah, I guess my point was in the middle of this, we still need to act like Christians. No doubt. Amen. Yeah. Consider others greater than yourself. That, that's right. Maybe yeah. if we would have done that a long time ago, we wouldn't be in this mess today. Just a thought. Yeah. I mean, thought. Hey, some of the time thoughts. Machine, but. Well, okay, so this is what I've always wondered. And, and this may be a topic for another day. I wonder if every church, every pastor, every Christian, would have taken the week off in 1972 and fled Washington, D.C. Yeah. after Roe v. Wade and said, 
No. No, we're not paying Amen. another dime in tax until this gets turned over. We're, we're not. We're, no. No. We're not Amen. doing this. Because that would have literally been close to 50 million people. Yeah. That would have. We wouldn't have even fit in D.C. And I think that could have overturned Roe v. Wade, but instead... And saved 60 million lives. Yes. Land sakes. And, and you just said it like what the Heritage Foundation is right. doing. That uh, has been... Hillsdale. Hillsdale, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. That has been my struggle in these past years of tumultuous... The stands we are taking, I'm like, that is ridiculous. Yeah. Let's all join together and fight for this. You know, like, an abortion is the main thing. It, One it. of the main it, it's things. It. With all the it's energy... It's the only thing I'm willing to die for, if you will. We put you know more what energy saying? into what somebody tweets than right. fighting the government on abortion, right. you know? So uh, my son said it this way. It shocked me that he said it. He said, I'm, I'm not fighting to keep Trump as my president, but I'll fight for my nation. You know, I, I'm not going to fight for one man. Amen. And, and amen to that. And as much as I love the Trump presidency, yada, 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 uh, I, I, I agree with that statement, you know? Uh, and, and as Christians... We've got to make sure, uh, and, and we've had some very, you know, guttural conversations about that. And, and, and he's even called me out. That's just our little bird. It's okay. Uh, the Baptist any, bird? The Baptist bird. Cheap, That's cheap. it. Cheap, cheap. Anyway. Well, I was just thinking, too, if every Christian, how much time would just do a, a fact check in their life? How much time am I spending in prayer? and the salvation for people that aren't saved, and the salvation of the leaders. How much time am I spending reading this Bible and understanding it? And how much time, I mean, let's compare that to how much screen time we have. You can look at your iPhone and find out how much time you spent staring at the weather or Facebook or fill in the blank. We'll spend more time with that. Right. Like, like you said, we'll spend more time like being upset about a tweet than we'll spend actually praying for the situation. Right. Well, and, and I mean, let's, let's face it, how many of us have, have I'm, I'm sure every person at this table has, but how many of us have asked the Lord to, to reach out to Joe Biden, to Kamala Harris, right. to fill in the blank, you know? And uh, it's fun Schumer. to fight. We talked about this not yeah. that long ago. Our flesh wants to fight. Our no flesh doubt. wants to get skin in the game yeah, oh yeah. because uh, it's not romantic to it's get so along with It's so easy to be right. negative. Yeah. It's just like the most natural default setting is I'm just going to be negative and angry. It's just real easy. So... Just a fact check. President President Biden signed 17 executive orders today. Oh, so it was three when I read yeah. it. I knew it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to say, if Radio Lane can hear it, you know you're a country church when you got tree frogs. That's right. Got tree frogs in the in the baptistry. Hear them chirping. Ambience. In January. We need somebody to get baptized. We'll clean out the baptistry. <laughs> we'll flush out them tadpoles that are in there. <laughs> <laughs> Protesting in its own is legal. In this country, rioters are illegal in any reason. Amen. That's from Mr. Dickons. Topic number three. You got to go? All right. So topic number three, an in-depth look at true love. First Corinthians 13, uh, speaking of revolution and civil war, we're going to talk about true love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a follow-up there. Yeah, what, what a follow-up. <clears throat> you got my blood pumping here, and now I'm... Gonna... That's right. So, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Th this uh, comes basically from a part of the message Sunday uh, talking about love and, and the love chapter. Uh, our favorite example of what love is is from this passage and our biggest. So I, I want you to talk about that. What's your favorite uh, example? In other words, what's your favorite definition of love from this passage? And then what is, in your opinion, your biggest struggle 
with one of those examples or, or definitions of what love is. Uh, I'll go first if you want me to. Or Do we have enough time to read it? I think we got plenty of time to read uh, it. You mind if I go with it? Go for it. All right. Uh, first Corinthians uh, 1 through... Yeah, first Corinthians thir- 13. 13. Yeah, 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have pathetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For now we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Very good. And so we're going to concentrate here on those kind of bullet points. Love suffereth long. Love is kind, love envieth not, love vaunteth, does not puff itself up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not his own, is not provoked, taketh no account of evil, rejoiceth not in unrighteousness, but rejoiceth with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So those are the bullet points that I want us to talk about. Tell me your the, 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 if you will, the, the one piece of definition that you like the most out of this passage and then the one that you feel like you struggle with the most. So in uh, this last book, I, I do a chapter on uh, sacred freedom. And I, I relate in that chapter why God made us free, why, why God made a being that could make choices on their own and those choices could in themselves be evil. Those choices could be to step away from God, to break off the relationship with God. And, and the reason that God made us free is so that we can love. Love is not genuine unless it's voluntary. If God had made us with no choice, what uh, degree of or what validity or value would the love be that someone showed if you didn't have any other choice? Right. The, the proof of love is in the fact that you've made the choice and you, you persist in that. Um, whenever two people get married and one person in that marriage gets sick, I think of John and Joyce Hoff, and the person chooses to stay with that person, continue to love them, to continue to um, to be one with that person. That is a a demonstration of the caliber of that love. Is to is when it's tested. That's when you you know that, and the person who has a choice to leave doesn't. They choose to stay. That measures the love. Freedom. If there were no freedom, we wouldn't know the caliber of love. We wouldn't know the depth of love. God, God made us free so that we could love him by choice. And I think that's ultimately what the goal is at the end of time for a people to be called out of this world who have chosen to love him and to follow him. And whatever that, the end of that time comes, is, that's up to him, of course. 
But in that, this verse, uh, verse 6 in Corinthians 13 just gives us some insight, more insight here, that the love rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love thrives in the truth. What did Jesus say the truth would do for you? Set you free. It would set you free. Freedom is required for love to be the, the um, caliber and the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The meat of the love is, is proven in that. that mm-hmm. Its value is proven in that. Uh, that yeah, the freedom. quality. Yeah, the quality of it. It has to be genuine. It has to be voluntary. And the fact that somebody keeps coming back um, and chooses to stay with you. So my challenge, am I supposed to do that now or is that the oh, go ahead, challenge? Yeah. So, w- Which one of these we, challenges you the most, you feel like? We, we just, this discussion we just came out of has really challenged me. And I, I'm struggling uh, as a Christian, as, a, as an American, back and forth with this. And I, I'm trying to find um, peace with where we are as a nation and what's just happened in this election. With my worst fears being the, what if if my worst fear to, fears are what actually happened? There's reason to continue forward with some concern. If if it's not, that's I want to be the first to know that I'm wrong about right. those presumptions. Right. I be can't tell you how happy I would be if I'm wrong about my suspicions about this election. That being said, uh, Jesus said, "Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold." I think that's the biggest challenge in our time. Um, we see iniquity paraded daily. Uh, before us, and it's real easy to say there's nothing I can do about that. I mean, right. there's nothing I can do about that. Uh, but the gospel of Christ calls us to wade in and start grabbing people and pulling them out, right. at least pointing them to the to the right. shoreline. Amen. Uh, you hit a couple of uh, nails on the head there. You know, it says, "What will love do for you? It will set you free." But he also says, "What love is, and love is truth." You know, love abides in truth. Well, Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth." And the life. So Jesus is saying, I am love. Right. And then it says, love never fails. Right. Jesus is saying, I never fail. Amen. You know, it, it's like when you're the, the boss or the goat greatest of all time, Jesus is saying, look, I ain't going to fail. He can right. back that up. One of the things I know, like you're saying, your struggles with our country, one of the things we kind of hit on is like, you know, and I said, is it not predestined? You know, we get the leader we deserve. You know, so it, I look at some of the things like God is challenging his people by putting non-quotation spiritual people in office to have us rise as a people so things like 1972 don't happen. We spoke a couple years ago and I talked about how often our American flag is at half staff, but the Christian flag will never be lowered. And that's why I always cater to the cause of Christ over the cause of America because it it is happening. my favorite part of this scripture is not in those bullet points of love like you were talking about. It is, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And that's why I try not to get too worked up about the things that I can't necessarily affect because I don't see, uh, I don't know where I heard the analogy, but we live our life like a jigsaw puzzle but we only see the back of it. I think that came from you. And so we know how it goes together, but we don't see the picture. Mm. And until we see face to face, well, that it did come from you. I remember I probably not. stole it from somebody else. Yeah, so but, but then when we do see face to face, we get to flip that jigsaw puzzle over. So we're just trying to see where we fit in it. And I'm not going to try to be the sharp-edged piece in a, in a right. round puzzle. 
Um, so that is the one that I struggle with. Oh, okay. So that is um, my favorite part of that scripture. Um, the one I struggle with uh, is love is patient. Mm. And um, I have an example of how that has been proven. There's a man in my work that says he listens. So, Tim, if yeah. you're listening, hello. But there's a man in my shop that is a hard man. Mm. He's not a bad guy. He's just hard, old school guy. And uh, We're working on Steve. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's not Steve Reed. <laughs> uh, but um, I probably was one of his favorite people. Yeah. You know, I'm the opposite sure. attitude, uh, just bubbly, talkative, yada, yada, yada. And I, I never gave him a reason to dislike me. And I was always constant on that. And uh, five years later, me and him have formed a relationship that people still talk about. I can't believe you two. It's because I was patient. You know, um, Consider others greater than yourself. Mm -hmm. God loves him as much as he loves me. You and with, through that scripture, God loves him more. You bet. And, and so I have to focus on that. If I'm struggling with somebody, just be patient. Amen. Try to love them the best I can. Show me where I can do better, and it'll work out. Amen. Love is never at odds with the truth. That's good. I, you really need to spend some time in that topic about freedom and and that and i know that this is a topic that some people really struggle with uh on, on a quote-unquote theological level because in my humble opinion that they've fallen into the idea that it's it's quote-unquote all god and the reality is you bet it is all god but involved in that and this is what I always argue with a friend of mine. Who's to say that God didn't sovereignly choose that it be this way, that you and I must accept him because we have a free will. God gave you and I a free will. If he didn't give us a free will, then it's not love because it's servitude. It, it's, I, I cringe every time I think about this, but it's cosmic rape. And God does not do that. He gives you the right to choose. He wants to be in a two-way relationship with you. He set it all up. He has set it all up. But you've got to say, I want. you got to. God does not send you to hell. He honors your wishes. That's right. If we could just pull back the curtain just a little bit in light of what you just said and, and see that the ultimate confidence that God has in his love to overcome the bad choices that we would make because of our freedom. You, you can understand how, how deep, how persuasive, how rich his love is to be worth setting us free, right. to do our own thing, to do whatever we wanted to do. The, the experience of God's love is that important. It's that rich. It's that fulfilling. It's that persuasive because it is no comparison to the other choices that we could make. Um, so th the fact that he confidently gave us freedom, made us free moral beings, is a testament to his confidence and his love to overcome the things that we could pop, any possible decision we could make. Well, to be a prisoner of Christ is to be free. And to be free in a secular society is to be a prisoner. Right. I think it's a case study of what our spiritual life freedom is versus what our secular freedom is. We, we can't control it. We can't handle it without him. And I think right now we are seeing that without him is this freedom. 
it is without Christ. Right. Freedom se- severed from moral, its moral uh, in- ensconcement, freedom severed from all other morality is deadly. It's mm. bondage. Uh, so I put it here as my struggle is this bullet point of the definition of love seeketh not its own. Uh, I, if I'm not, if I'm left to myself, I'm selfish. I personally believe that selfishness is closely related to pride and ultimately leads to a very lonely life. I also believe that suicide is a natural end to a prideful, selfish life. When your pleasure and your way has pushed everyone away, then the only escape from that loneliness is death. Nothing energizes. Now, that's my struggle. Uh, If I'm not careful, I'm selfish, uh, and I absolutely uh, seek my own. Uh, the, the part of this that, that I relish in um, is the, that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Uh, nothing energizes and motivate, motivates me like positivity. When you look at the gospel, there is two sentences of bad news. You are a sinner and you deserve eternal punishment because of it. But then everything else of the gospel is good news. Jesus loves you enough that he died for you. He rose from the dead. He conquered sin and death in the grave. He possesses you with himself. He gives you a transcendent cause to live for, which is to win others to Christ and disciple them. He calls you into a community of believers, which is a church. And he gives you his word through the Bible. And you could go on and on and on about all the things that God has done for you as a result of salvation. And so that's positive. That's positive. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all all things. Any other comments, guys? You cannot define love or good without overlapping. Right. Love and good are so so closely tied. And when you think about things like when Scripture says, "and it was and it is good," the first, evening and the morning and the, were the first day, and God said it is good. All the motivations of God are based in love. All of the things that He's done are based in love and uh, were intended as a an expression of his love to us, our, our own good and his love. Very good. Thank you, excellent crowd, for Wednesday night. Thank you for your patience. Yeah, we're, we're done. Okay.